What do you need to watch for in Sunday's matchup between Stanford and South Carolina? Pac-12 reporter at the next. Michelle Smith joins host Natalie Heverin to break down what to expect from the game, what we've seen from both teams so far this season, and more. Locked on women's basketball starts now. You are locked on women's basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and happy Tuesday. You are locked on to women's basketball. I'm Natalie Heverin and I'm the features writer and the Atlantic 10 beat reporter for the next. Thank you for making Locked On Women's Basketball your first listen every day. And remember, Locked On Women's Basketball is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. As the world's largest therapy service, BetterHelp has matched 3 million people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists available 100% online. Learn more and save 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnNBA. On today's show, we're going to discuss what to expect out of the game Sunday afternoon between Stanford and South Carolina, what we've seen from both teams so far this season, and the two very different coaching styles of the two very accomplished coaches. Joining me today is Michelle Smith, uh, the longtime women's basketball writer who is currently covering the Pac-12 at the next. Starting off, Michelle, what are you expecting out of the game on Sunday? Um. I'm expecting a big crowd at Maples Pavilion. I think a lot of excitement on a Sunday afternoon. And I think the two teams that, to me, right now, at a really early point in this season, look a little bit heads and shoulders above the rest of the country. I think that, you know, they these are two teams that are probably in that first level of teams, especially in November. We'll see where we are when it comes to March and April. But right now, I think these are clearly the two best teams in the country. And so watching them um, go head to head is going to be super fun. And then out of that, so much talent um, on both teams, what are the matchups that are intriguing to you? Yeah. I mean, I think what's going to happen in the post. So, you know, the Aaliyah Boston Cameron Brink matchup in, in as much as they're both going to be obviously doing what they do in the paint, which is playing dominant basketball. Um, is going to be really interesting. And then what happens around them? Because I think, you know, Stanford right now has a post rotation of about five players. Um, and some of them are younger. You've got a Fran Belibi who's a senior, but you've got Lauren Betts, six, seven Lauren Betts, the number one recruit in the country. You've got an Ashton Prechtel who has been mostly known for a perimeter game, but is playing, you know, but plays inside. I mean, and then you've got players like Victoria Saxon and stuff for, um, South Carolina, I think there's just going to be a lot of really good post player. And I think a lot of that focus is going to be on Boston and Brink. Um, Brink's already blocked. Let's see. I looked it up. I'm just going to get, I'm going to refer to my notes. I mean, Brink has already blocked 17 shots this season and Stanford's played four games already. That's the other thing too. Stanford's played four games. South Carolina's played two. Each of them will play another game this week before they go into Sunday's matchup. But this Brink versus, versus Boston matchup is going to be really, really fun. And looking at it, um, what are you most excited to see in this game? I'm most excited to see, I think, from an offensive perspective, 
how, you know, South Carolina toward the end of last season, they came out with the national championship. So nobody's going to ding them, but I, you know, but their offense, people were, you know, just a little bit worried about their offensive efficiency toward the end of the season. In the meantime, you know, Stanford in particular, if we go back to the national semifinal game against Connecticut, had a terrible offensive game for a team that was like an offensive machine coming into the final four and still is just this team that can play really balanced basketball and score from a million areas. And so I just am really, really interested to see offensively how this game's going to go because can South Carolina keep pace? South Carolina's number one. They're going to be favored in this game for a lot of reasons, but I really think that Stanford's offense is going to push South Carolina defensively, and they're also going to push Carolina to keep up from a scoring pace perspective. And that's what I'm really interested to see. If this game is in the 70s, South Carolina wins. I think if Stanford can score, put up 80, 90 points on South Carolina, I think Stanford wins this game. Like, I think this is going to be a really interesting offensive showcase and a really test early for both of these two defensive teams because – South Carolina is not going to have played anybody that's as deep and as versatile as Stanford to this point. And Stanford is a scout defensive team, but they've got a lot of new players and a new, a lot of new people in a new, in new roles. And so how are those scouts, how, how well is that scout going to be executed? So that's really what I want to see. And you mentioned Stanford's uh, depth in the post. How has that started to work itself out in the first week of the season? Um, and then how do you expect the depth to work out in this game against South Carolina? Well, it's interesting because Stanford has used 15 players in all four of its games so far, but none of them have been close. So you get a lot of chance to give players minutes. But what I've really been keeping an eye on is how the minutes are being distributed right now, especially in the post. Kiki Uriofen is a sophomore, but she has been a very athletic, really productive player for them so far, is shooting at a high percentage. She's our leading scorer at the moment. And so I forgot to mention her in that earlier post rotation, but somebody like Kiki is getting a lot of minutes. And it's taking a little while for Lauren Betts to come off the bench. And in, you know, in almost no other universe does your six seven post player, who's the number one recruit in the country, spend a lot of time sitting and watching before you bring her into the game. Fran Belibi's a senior on this team, and her minutes have been limited so far. And I know that Tara Vandiver is probably trying to get people playing time in these games where she can afford to get people experience, but I'm really keeping an eye on minutes. And I think it's interesting what we see right now about who's getting minutes and what kind of minutes they're getting, because Brink has been so dominant, and if she stays out of foul trouble, she stays on the floor. Tara Vandiver wants Cameron Brink on the floor, provided she's not carrying a couple of fouls around with her. Um, you know, Ashton Prechtel comes in off the bench and gives them a spark and com- extended defense and because she's going to shoot the three. And then Iriofen has just been such a nice addition. And then you've got Betts and Belibi. Like, that's just – that's a lot of post talent and a lot of length and a lot of size. Um, and so I think that that's really driven Stanford. But I think that Dawn thinks she has as deep of a team as she's had in a long time. And she's got choices as well. So how those – coaches use those bench players or don't use those bench players is going to be interesting because, you know, somebody that's going to get a lot of playing time against Cal State Northridge may not get a lot of playing time against South Carolina. So it'll be interesting to see how if, you know, coaches settle into short rotations for a November game like this or if they lengthen those out. Because remember, it still is November. And as much as we want to see this sort of showdown matchup, there's a lot of basketball and getting players and experience, getting players experience in a game like this for both coaches is probably pretty important. 
And is there anyone you think could have a breakout game um, on either side? Yeah, um, I think that, you know, like I'm really looking at for Stanford, I'm really looking at Hannah Jump. Hannah Jump is a three point assassin, right? She just she's made more three pointers than I think South Carolina combined at this point, albeit, you know, through four games. But then you've got, you know, you've got a young player like a Raven Johnson or somebody like that for South Carolina, who's really just trying to take the reins of the point guard role. And so I see opportunities, particularly out on the perimeter. We know what's going to happen inside. We know who the post players are going to be, who are going to do their thing inside, but what's happening out on the perimeter, I think is going to be really interesting. If Hannah jump, you know, is dropping six or seven threes. South Carolina is going to have a hard time with that because they'll bring somebody else in who can shoot the three if they figure out how to defend that. So I think, you know, hand jump could have a big game for Stanford. And I think somebody like Raven Johnson could be a key for South Carolina. And, you know, with both teams, do you think that you're expecting one to play the bench a little bit more? Um, or what are you expecting out of the bench um for both of these teams, or do you think it's something where the starters will play most of the game? Yeah, again, I think Stanford has played their bench more, and they have, you know, played double the number of games at South Carolina at this point. So I think it's a little hard to tell from South Carolina how deep Donna's going to go onto the bench and how much confidence she has in some of her bench players, because we just don't have that much data to work with. Um, we know Tar is willing to go deep into the bench. We know that's one of their strengths as a team is that, you know, everybody says Stanford comes at you in waves and, you know, and that's going to definitely be something that Tar is going to look to exploit. And the games they've played have definitely been different um, with Stanford um, not having played a ranked team so far and Maryland and Stanford having played last Friday. Yeah. Or Maryland I mean, and South Carolina played last yeah, year. Yeah, I mean, South Carolina definitely has to this point the bigger, the most, the more difficult matchup of all of the games that the two teams have played. And they played really well against Maryland. And so, you know, I think that that's a sign that, not that we didn't know this, but that South Carolina is a really good team. That was a dominant win against a team that's, you know, is comes into the season ranked. And then again, I always go back to, and it's November. And so, you know, I think there's gaps between teams. And again, I think there are these gaps between a team like South Carolina and a team like Stanford and everybody else right now. I think for Stanford, we're going to see how far that gap is when they take the floor against South Carolina. Coming up next, uh, we'll discuss what we've seen so far from both teams. Today's episode is brought to you by Sweatblock. Uh, Christopher wore a sweater every day to school, even in the hot Texas summers, to try and hide his sweat. He can now wear any shirt without sweating, thanks to Sweatblock. Christopher was able to fix his problem with Sweatblock. Sweatblock wipes were invented by a doctor, and they're guaranteed to work, or you don't pay. They call it the Sweatblock Dry Shirt Guarantee. If Sweatblock doesn't keep you dry, you get your money back. If you or someone you love is experiencing embarrassing sweat or odor, try Sweatblock. Risk-free today. Save 20% with promo code LOCKEDON at sweatblock.com. They're also available on Amazon. Are you wasting money on subscriptions? 80% of people have subscriptions they forgot about. Maybe for you, it's an unused Amazon Prime account or a Hulu account that you don't use for streaming. There's a great app that I use that helps me track all of my expenses. And because of it, I no longer waste money on subscriptions I don't even use. You might have heard of it. It's called Rocket Money, formerly known as Truebill. The app shows all of your subscriptions in one place and cancels what you don't want 
for you. Rocket Money can even find subscriptions you didn't know you were paying for. You may even find out that you've been double charged for a subscription. And to cancel a subscription, all you have to do is press cancel and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Cancel unnecessary subscriptions with Rocket Money today. Go to rocketmoney.com slash locked on. Seriously, it could save you hundreds per year. That's rocketmoney.com slash locked on. Thank you for making Locked On Women's Basketball your first listen today. For your second listen, check out Locked On Sports Today. From the games that matter the most, the biggest stories in sports. Go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. So, Michelle, we talked a little bit about it so far, but what have you seen so far from both Stanford and South Carolina? Well, you know, it's interesting. The one name we, I haven't mentioned yet is Haley Jones, right? So, um, you know, Haley Jones running the point for Stanford. She has been, you know, like in the first few games, a little bit slow from a scoring perspective, although I think that she's been focusing on getting her new teammates involved and trying to get people involved in the game. But, um, you know, in yesterday's game against Portland on ESPN, she had 17 points. She's got, um, you know, she's just out 16 assists in four games so far. So I think that, you know, I'm watching Haley Jones sort of find her offensive rhythm. And I know that in a game against, like, against an opponent like South Carolina, Tara's going to want her to take advantages of opportunities to score and worry less about being the distributor and getting those young players involved. They need points on the board. They need her size. They need that mass, that mismatch that they get with her at 6-1. So I think I'm looking for Haley Jones in this matchup. I'm looking for Zaya Cook, the, the other senior guard. I'm looking for the experienced players to see how they bring that experience to a game like this. Um, and, you know, and Cook and Boston, you know, right? They are, they've played together for a long time. They've won a championship together now. So I'm looking for the experienced players to see how they come to the floor in a game like this and find their opportunities to assert themselves because there are, you know, there are a fair amount of young players on both these teams, but this is a hard showcase for young players. So I'll be curious to see how a couple of those young players do, but I really want to see the veterans here and I want to see how they're treating this game because, you know, you're not winning a national championship in November. You may not even change the order of the rankings by the end of this game, unless there's a blowout. It's hard even to imagine, even with some, one of those two teams taking a loss, that they drop out of, say, the top three or four teams in the country. You don't drop far when you lose to number one. You know, you don't drop far if you lose to number two, if you flip-flop and it's a close game. Like, I don't see much changing in the national picture coming out of this game, but I want to see how these experienced veteran players, these stars, these marquee-level players perform on a stage like this in November. And you mentioned this earlier and alluded to it just now, but – to you, are these the top two teams in the country? I think they are. I think they are. Um, I mean, I think everybody else has to prove it to me a little bit first. I mean, obviously, you know, UConn beat Stanford last year, but they're without, you know, Beckers. They are, you know, they're figuring things out a little bit still. Um, you know, teams like Iowa, you know, I- Iowa's got super talent, but they haven't done this yet. Like, you know, they haven't gotten to the Final Four. They haven't. These are the two best teams in the country. I think the coaching matchup is always interesting, and I know we'll talk about that in a bit, but I think that these two teams right now sit just a notch above everybody else. And we've talked about this already, but Stanford has played four games. They play Cal Poly on Wednesday. South Carolina has played two games. 
one of them against a ranked Maryland team and plays Clemson on Thursday. So far, has there been a team that's proven as more prepared for Sunday's matchup? Or do you think that both of these teams are kind of on equal footing once they step onto the court on Sunday? I think it's more the latter. I think this is going to be more of an equal footing matchup. I, you know, the difference between playing four games and two games for these two teams is how much more, how many more minutes your young players are going to get. Um, and that may or may not be a factor on Sunday, depending on how the rota- how tight the rotations are and how much they each want to open up their benches and give people experience in a high pressure situation. So I don't think anybody necessarily has the advantage over that. I just think it's interesting because I think Tars had a chance to see more of her team on the floor and may make some, you know, may have some more informed decisions to make based on what she's seen people play over four or five games by the time they come into that. And you've talked a lot um, about players we should be keeping out for, but is there one or two on either side that in the four games for Stanford or two games so far for South Carolina um, that have stood out to you as notable? Yeah, I think South Carolina, um, Cardozo at 6'7", I think complimenting Boston in the post. Uh, Camilla, I think she's got an opportunity to really um, make an impact you know, kind of have a little bit of a breakout moment because she's playing alongside Leah Boston. So maybe she doesn't get the attention, but you know, you've got a player of that size who's really going to alter shots and alter a game plan inside. And so, you know, won't it be fun to see her up against six, seven Lauren Betts inside for a little bit, two, six, seven kids banging around inside in the paint will be awesome. Super fun. And then I think for Stanford, I think it's going to be somebody like they've got a freshman point guard. Um, Lapolo, and I'm going to look up her first name because again, we're getting to know players. And so Talana Lapolo. And so Talana Lapolo has put out 26 assists in four games with just seven turnovers so far. She's young, but she's been really, really good ball distributor. And I think she's going to play a lot of minutes. She got the start against Portland. And I think she's going to play a lot of minutes in this game. And you're really going to see a young player get a chance to show off on a big stage. And for you, are the matchups you're watching more in the post um, or in the backcourt? Mm. I think it's more in the post right now because I think foul trouble is going to dictate a lot about this game, right? If either Boston or Brink gets in foul trouble and has to sit for any length of time, who's going to pick up that slack? I think the rebounding number is going to go a long way. You know, South Carolina provides prides itself on being a rebounding team, but against Stanford, winning rebounding margins is pretty hard because they're so big. So I think I'm going to watch that battle in the post. I want to see the board's numbers. I want to see foul trouble. I want to see how easily people are able to score inside because I think that's going to end up being the difference. And do you think a fear of foul trouble is going to play in, especially in a matchup that sounds like it's going to be a really physical one, especially in the post? Um. Maybe, but I don't know if you play in fear of picking up fouls, you're going to pick up fouls, right? So, and these are both two pretty experienced players at this point, um, Boston being a senior and Brink being a junior. So I hope not. I hope that both of them are on the floor for a ton of time. I hope nobody's sitting with early foul trouble. I want to see the play. I want to see our stars play. These are a couple of our probably two of the top five players in the country, and I want to see them play. So I'm hoping that there's no fear of foul trouble. Just play and play smart. Coming up next, we'll discuss the two very different coaching styles of the two very accomplished coaches in Tara Vanderveer and Don Staley. 
Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Lockdown Women's Basketball is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks gives you the opportunity to test your own knowledge against yourself. You pick two to five players, and if they go on to score either more or less than the Prize Picks projection, then you can win up to 10 times your money on any entry. It's not competing against other people, it's just you versus the projection. Prize Picks offers projections on any sports you watch from women's college basketball to the WNBA to NWSL, NBA, NFL, MLB, you name it. Prize Picks offers projections on any sport, um, as I mentioned before, but even some more obscure ones such as esports, NASCAR, tennis, MMA, boxing, even disc golf, and cricket. Entries can be made in less than a minute, it's that easy. And not only is Prize Picks operational in 30 states and Canada, the withdrawal process is safe and fast. Download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code LOCKEDON. If you deposit $100, Prize Picks will give you $100. If you deposit $50, Prize Picks will give you $50. Don't forget to enter promo code Locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. Both coaches in Tara Vanderveer and Don Staley are very accomplished, but they have two very different coaching styles. What differences are most apparent to you? Yeah, I mean, you know, two of the most accomplished coaches in the game, right? Tara's the sports all-time winningest coach. I think everybody would argue right now that Don is – I don't want to call her one of the hottest coaches in the game, but obviously she's just, she's the coach of the moment, right? She's, you know, everybody's had their turn at this sort of that, this space, Pat Summit and Gino and Tara at different times. But I think Don is sort of the gold standard right now in terms of collegiate coaches and particularly for collegiate coaches of color. Um, she's just done so much and she's kind of the conscience of the sport at this point. Um, and in a way that Tara is too, but they're just two very different coaches, right? Like I see relationships with players and I see Don cultivating these almost maternal relationships with these players and taking a really, really heavy hand and guiding them and helping them and doing things like team-wide NIL deals and the relationship she has after the fact with like an Asia Wilson and that. And Don's really sort of in that kind of maternal caretaking space. And I know reputation for a long time on Tara Vanderveer is it's much more professorial thing, right? Like that Tara is like the professor that you want to please, you want to get a good grade for. And she's not, you know, Tara's just never been sort of almost as touchy feely as Dawn in terms of the relationships with the players, but players under Tara Vanderveer, almost a hundred percent of them improve. You watch that improvement. Players don't stall out under Tara Vanderveer. They don't. They improve under Don Staley. They just go about it really differently. Um, you know, Don and Tara go way back. Tara played for Don on the Olympic team, or Don played for Tara on the Olympic team. And I just, I love watching this meeting of the minds from a coaching perspective because they do come at the game from different ways. But there's just deep, deep, deep respect there. And, um, and that part, that's part of what makes this matchup so intriguing because they both know they're going in with great teams and great players. And how are they going to take advantage of matchups? And how are they going to, um, exploit weaknesses and all of that? And it's just for these two coaches, this is a clash of the titans, really. And that's part of the, I think that's part of the scene on Sunday. And on the other hand, how are they alike? Um, what are the similarities between them? Yeah, I think the experience that they both have, that international, that, you know, that experience, the 
longevity. Don, both as a player, as a coach, Tara, as a coach, they both see where the game was and where it's going. And I think that they both evolve with the game. I mean, you know, neither one of them, you know, they do what's best for their team based on the players they have. They run the systems that are best suited to their personnel. They do, um, they're both outspoken advocates of the game. You know, Tara's been outspoken for many, many, many years. Dawn is the game's most outspoken, kind of, again, their conscience of the game right now. Like, I think in many ways, they're very much alike in that way. Um, they're both students of the game. I mean, you, you'd have to, to figure out which one of them knows basketball better would be just a pointless competition because I think that they're both so steeped in it. Uh, you know, you just say that, but do you have an inkling on which coaching style you think is going to prevail on Sunday? Oh, I think it's not going to be about coaching style at all. I think it's going to be about execution, right? It's going to be about which team is ready to execute a game plan the earliest. I, you know, it's easy for me. I'm out here in the Bay Area. I see Stanford a lot. I'm really, really impressed with what I see so far. I see this, just this depth and players coming off the bench and, and executing. And I'm super excited about that. I've seen South Carolina. They've only played twice. I've seen them a little bit less. I don't know as well right now what this version looks like, except that I know that they're going to be ready. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see either team win. And I know that that's a cop out, but I don't want to say that I know that South Carolina is the number one team is going to come in and win this game on Sunday because I'm not sure that that is a given. Um, I think this is going to be a great game. I think it's great that they play one another in an era where teams and coaches have had such a hard time scheduling. And there was a story today about, or yesterday about how difficult it was for Dawn to pick up a second game in California and they're going to go down and play at Cal Poly, but kind of had to beg, borrow and steal to get Cal Poly to take that game. But to come to the West coast, to play a game like this in mid November, that might, could cost you a number one ranking, at least for a short term, or but is really going to test your team and tell you where you are. That's what that's what we want our top teams to be doing, and that's what I'm super excited about. But I think that there's a chance, and there's a good chance that Stanford wins this game because I think offensively they might just be a little ahead of where South Carolina is. Yeah, I read that article, um, and I'm also really glad that we get uh, a one v two matchup uh, in the second. Mm-hmm weekend of the season. Um, Thank you so much for joining me, Michelle. Where can the people find you and your work? (laughs) The people can find me on Twitter for as long as Twitter's still going to be there at MaxSmith413. You can find me at the next and I'm doing some Pac-12 coverage for the next, which I'm so excited about this year and joining a great team. And then I'm also doing work for Pac-12.com. So um, if you want to go to the conference website, you can find your, you can find stuff there as well. I am so excited. Uh, I am on the East Coast, so I always love the people that can help me stay informed of all things happening on the West Coast, especially when they happen uh, after I go to bed. There you go. Happy to help. Thank you for making Locked On Women's Basketball your first listen today. Make sure to tune back in tomorrow for the first of a two-parter from Howard. For your second listen, check out Locked On Sports Today, from the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports. Go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts.